Whoops. You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome into the Accidental Leader Podcast. It's episode number five. I'm your host, Bo McDonald, and I, like you, am an accidental leader. And if you're listening to this podcast as it's freshly posted, I want to wish you a very happy new year. It's our first podcast of 2023. And if you're like most folks, you've probably made some New Year's resolutions. And if you're like most folks who make a New Year's resolution, it's probably centered around money or health or both. And money is one of our big topics today on the podcast with our guest. Money is a resource we focus a lot on is leaders. We focus on maximizing profits, minimizing expenses, ROI, you name it. So many of our KPIs are are financial as they should be. As Rabbi Daniel Lappin says, a dollar is a green certificate showing a job well done. It's something that I've I've subscribed to after I heard him share that at a conference many, many years ago. A profit is not something you should be ashamed of as long as you do it the right way. But today, I want to focus on a different resource we often overlook and even abuse as leaders. It's not money. It's time. And if you go back a few episodes ago, I believe it was episode number three, I interviewed Ash Davis. And I spoke of my life-changing experience reading his book, A Life Through Letters, back in, in 2019. And it made me reflect on just how hard I was working, but how little I was devoting to friends and family. I was making money, but I couldn't enjoy it. It's, it's great to make a profit, but if you don't have the time to enjoy it, why in the world would you even bother with that? And, and even if you don't own a business, if you're a leader within an organization, you're making a great salary, but you don't have time to enjoy it, why bother? So soon after that, I also read a book called The Soul of Money. It's by Lynn Twist. Between those two books, I, I changed my relationship with money and therefore time as well. And I was lucky to, to have been listening to the Dave Ramsey show back when I was in the radio many, many, many years ago. We were one of the first stations to pick up his show. And, and his advice had, had really changed my relationship with money in my, my late teens, helped me avoid some of the, the uh, obstacles that my parents had to navigate with money. I stayed away from credit card debt, all that to digress. Back in 2019, I really started looking at my relationship with money even more differently than I did many years ago. My business was, was profitable. I was making money, but I didn't have time to enjoy it with friends and family. And if you remember what I said a few episodes ago about I don't have time. Every time you say that, I want you to, to re-say those words differently or replace it with, it wasn't a priority. See, I didn't have time to toss that out the window and say, it wasn't a priority. And see how those priorities change with your time and, and money. And the more financial commitments you have, the more stress you have, the harder you've got to work to keep that lifestyle going. It can just be stressful. Think about the, uh, the old rap song that's got some very knowledgeable words in it, Mo Money. No problems. It's not fun. It's exhausting. So if you're a leader struggling with your relationship with, with money and therefore time, I want you to listen closely to today's episode. If you thought we challenged you on the last episode of 2022, when we talked with Brian Rollo about uh, changing, changing the words you use from, I didn't have time to, it wasn't a priority and leading yourself better. You've got to listen to this episode because we're going to dive even deeper into challenging you with our guest, 
Jason Vitak. Jason's a former marketing executive in the credit union industry, which is where I met him. But he's also a nationally acclaimed speaker, a blogger, an author with a brand new book out called Happy Money, Happy Life, a follow-up to his first book, You Only Live Once. His topic, your relationship with money. Recently chatted with him casually about some business ideas. We started getting really philosophical on on life and our relationships with money. And uh, I immediately knew I needed to have him as a guest on the Accidental Leader podcast to have this conversation for so many others that are having that same struggle. Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about you personally and professionally before we dive in. Bo, thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. I, the one key thing I like to share with people when it comes to my story, because I'm known as an entrepreneur, uh, part of the, the, the whole package here is that I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, I was someone who wanted to climb up the corporate ladder and just kind of figured that that was the path to uh, of success in my life and i think all of us comes comes to a point where we, we start asking the questions is this the path i want to continue on and so i am a big person uh, when it comes to personal development self-development and so i do a lot of work in terms of research so my personal philosophy is continuously learning, like understanding myself, understanding the world, understanding my place in the world. And so that that's what drives me. And professionally, I mean, I do a lot of work when it comes to wellness and specifically financial well-being. And I think that's where we've done a lot of talks and, and conversations around that. Uh, my years in the, the banking industry, financial education, promoting workplace wellness has really prepared me for where we are today in this world. Because I'm the type of person who likes to talk about money as it relates to our mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So I like to look at it holistically and not just about the numbers. You know, as you as you said all of that, I, I think back to a story to to kind of open up our conversation. It was a a CEO of an organization who didn't want to be there. <laughs> Did not want to be there, yet he stayed, and the organization was not successful. They, they were failing, and when asked why he was staying there, why he didn't go find something else to do, he said, I need the CEO money to afford my lifestyle. I can't leave here. I can't go do what I want to do, and, and I felt so sorry for him, and I, I felt sorry for the organization because it ultimately failed and, and got merged into another one because of of his attitude, but so many people out there just just doing that nine to five thing because they think they have to. And I, I just can't imagine doing that. I'm sure you see that all the time with the conversations you have. I do. I do see that a lot. A lot. And one of the key things I like to share with people is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with working for an organization or working for someone else and that the nine to five in itself isn't inherently bad. And I think with that story, it's it's about a misalignment when it comes to work, right? It's about uh, not 
aligning to what you truly want. And I think it's important for people to understand that because there is this idea that being an entrepreneur, it's fun, it's sexy, and it's actually quite difficult. You, you'll end up working more hours, doing more things, wearing more hats uh, than you would have in a traditional nine to five. And so it does take a lot of work in terms of understanding who you are, what you want to do, and the type of work that's really purposeful and aligns to your core values. And for me, I mean... I followed that traditional path, uh, believing that my success would be through the nine to five, climbing the corporate ladder and going from being a teller to VP of marketing and business development for a credit union out in Silicon Valley. I thought I was living the dream. I was making good money. I was, you know, I went from cleaning, to- cleaning toilets, serving drinks at Newark airport to being in the boardroom and having these discussions on strategy in a very short period of time, even with that and the success, I got to a point where I needed to understand if this was going to be the life I wanted to continue. And eventually I realized that I wanted something different, but I didn't necessarily know what that was because we are ingrained on the traditional path to success and happiness. So when I went out there and I started asking friends and family and colleagues and my mentor and asking about, well, when am I going to be happy with the work that I'm doing? I certainly enjoyed it, but I wasn't quite sure if this was the path that I wanted to continue on. And I started hearing people telling me that I was entitled or privileged to even ask that question. And so I started pushing back and I go, well, if you told me that I need to follow this specific path to joy and happiness. And I did just that. When do I get to fill that joy and happiness? And eventually I realized that people didn't really have the answer. So I need to go figure it out myself. And and so when I was offered the successor CEO route uh, at the age of 28, instead of doing that, I decided to quit instead. And so I handed in my resignation. It took me about six months to actually leave the company. And after those six months, I went backpacking around the world. I went through 20 countries in 12 months. I had these amazing conversations with people. And that those experiences, those conversations, being away from the environment and the people that I grew up with, and also the people within the career that I was in for a long time, allowed me to kind of get different inputs. And that allowed me to look at my life differently. So it gave me a different set of new data and information so I can shift my perspective when it came to my life and the potentiality of something different or something new or something more. And I really want to dive into that because I feel like a lot of people, that is their dream. They're sitting at a desk right now in a nine to five or they're they're stuck owning a business that, that is actually owning them and, and they want that freedom. What was that breaking point for you where you said, I, I'm done, I'm, I'm over this, I'm, I'm going to do my thing? What, what was that straw that broke the camel's back that made you finally make that decision? I was getting physically ill, Bo. Um, that was a key thing. I think we do. When we are go-getters, when we work really hard, we do all this mental gymnastics in our mind to say everything is okay because we that's that's what we've done to survive that's what we've done to strive that's what we what we're doing to thrive it's it's sort of like okay it's not that bad i need to push myself i need to keep grinding etc cetera, etc cetera. and eventually 
our bodies are going to start manifesting what we in our mind are trying to ignore or trying to talk ourselves out of. And so they came to a point where my eyes were bloodshot. There was one period where for two weeks, my body ate so much. I thought I was ill. I thought I had something very serious. And I went to the doctors, got all the tests done. And she told me, you're healthy. There's nothing in your blood. There's nothing that we can see. But the no answer means the culprit is stress. And I already knew I was stressed. I already knew that I was burning out in a job I loved. And that's kind of one of the key things also that I want people to understand. I loved the work that I was doing. I loved the people I was working with, but realizing that you can burn yourself out when you're constantly grinding, when you're constantly just doing and going and not allowing yourself that time to to break. And for those who are, again, go-getters, type A, what have you, whatever label you want to place on yourself, it's important for us to slow down periods of rest. And I wasn't doing any of that. I just kept feeling like I needed to either compete with other people or compete with myself or achieve these goals that I set when years ago. But when I developed vertigo, when I was doing a talk and, and I haven't really shared this story publicly. And so this will be the first time I was doing a talk outside of Boston and I flew out from California. Uh, 2,000, 3,000 miles away, and I couldn't get out of bed. So my assistant at the time called my phone, called the hotel, wondering because I did not show up for a speaking gig. And that's when I really knew that something was wrong. So I, I woke up with two strangers hovering over me in the hotel room, and they put me in a gurney. I was checked into a hospital, and they did all the blood work as well. And they said, we think you got a bug and and that's about it. And then I realized that I really need to make it a shift. But again, I still wasn't accepting it. I knew I needed to. And so that for me was an alarm bell that my body was manifesting the stress that I was, again, trying to convince myself wasn't wasn't real. You know, one of my goals for this podcast is for people, for other accidental leaders like us to learn from our mistakes and and I, I think that story should be an alarm bell for those before you get to the point of having two strangers hovering over you, putting you on a gurney. If you're feeling that stuff, trust your gut. It's probably time to to make a decision on that. And I want to go back and ask you, though, you said you loved your job. Is there anything you would change about that story, knowing now what you know about that? Yes. Uh, setting boundaries. I think it's really important for us to set boundaries when it comes to work life. And and so that's kind of one of the key things. A lot of us feel good about the work that we do. And we feel like we need to immerse ourselves in it 24-7. And chances are, if you have climbed the corporate ladder, if you are moving up very quickly in your career path, if your business is growing, chances are you're devoting way, way too much time. And, and I, and I want to preface that because yes, it does take grind. It does take work. 
And one of the key things that I've learned, it really is about patience and time and being okay with myself in terms of, okay, th- this plan is, is long-term. I need to take care of myself. It's all about balance, seasonality. It's all about grinding and resting. And, and it really is about equanimity when it comes to the things that we're looking for. And so the one thing that I would change, and I do now, and I encourage others, is to really set boundaries when it comes to your your work and your life and when i say that it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're very strict on yourself and and say i'm going to work 8 hours today 8 hours of sleep 8 hours of quote unquote living and it doesn't really normally work that way because if you have that rigidity as well that's going to create a, a ton of mental and emotional stress that will eventually manifest itself on physical ailments as well. So it's about flexibility. And that's kind of one of the key things that I'm, that I'm learning. When we set these boundaries, it isn't to, it isn't meant to kind of keep us in a box. It allows us for a bit more flexibility. So there might be periods in the year that you're, you're grinding and you're doing a bunch of work. And then there are periods where you're going to need to slow down because there is a seasonality when it comes to work in every industry, in every career. And I've dealt and worked with so many people in across industries and I've realized there are periods and and it's okay to slow down that we don't have to constantly be doing. And that goes back to setting those boundaries for ourselves. You know, the word balance is so important with that because when when we work with young leaders in our organization, we have what we call FLY, Future Leaders of YMC. It's a year-long leadership program we talk about boundaries and, and finding that balance. And and often when this is a new thought to to one of these young leaders, they go black and white. It is, mm-hmm. these are my boundaries. There is no exception. And, and they kind of start to find out that's miserable too. And you've got to use the emotional intelligence to understand these are my boundaries. Here's the flexibility in those boundaries. Here's what I'm willing to give on. Here's what I'm not willing to give on because you you can go too extreme to the other side as well. Yes, I, I love that. I love the fact that you you talked about emotional intelligence and responding to our situation. So part of that too, when we're so strict with the confines that we create, whether we're very rigid in our plan to ascend leadership, ascend the corporate ladder, what have you, well, that is going to lead to burnout. The same thing too, when, when we talk about this rigidity of, I am going to separate work and life. There's opportunities where you miss out and actually creating a much more, uh, balanced life. Uh, and when we say balance again, too, it isn't, it isn't 50 50 all the time. And, and I like to stress that and, and reemphasize that do not confine yourself. So, so there is a story that I love and it goes through like the practice. And we talked about being personal. And, and one of the key things that, that I've had and I was introduced to because of my, my credit union CEO, I was introduced to yoga and coming from Jersey, I was unfamiliar with it and moved out to California. It was something that we, we would do. Uh, and, led me to the belief that flexibility, when we look at anything that's pretty rigid, it is at the end of its life. So when you look at grass or you look at trees, they they move with the wind. And the moment they become rigid, that is already at the end of their life. And, and so I've taken that in terms of balance is 
goes into just look at nature. Balance is flexibility. Balance is not confining ourselves. Even when we look at the seasonality of winter, spring, summer, and we could say, okay, each season is three months, but there are some flexibility and there are nuances and there are periods in the summer where it's warm, uh, where it's hotter or colder. And then the same thing goes into the winter. And I think we need to apply that to ourselves that we can have these little areas and we can separate them, but be a bit more flexible. And that's kind of one of the key things. Balance is about flexibility. I want to go back to a thought that you have in, in your new book, this change you're talking about, this change in lifestyle, this change about thought of money. It's not like you can just flip a switch and say, okay, it's different. You, you almost have to paint your vision and then create the roadmap to get there and take the small steps and the small steps to to make that happen. Uh, in Happy Money, Happy Life, you describe three steps to living your dream lifestyle. What are those three steps? And, and share your personal journey and how you developed those in, in getting there. Yeah, I think so. One of the key things when it comes to creating a financial plan, and I think this is the biggest mistake that we all do, and I think because we're taught this way, is that we start setting goals, financial goals versus realizing the actual life we want to live. And I think it's so essential for us to have that very clear vision. And with that said too, like the vision will change as we gain experiences, as we reach financial milestones, but you don't want to set a financial goal or financial milestone that actually takes you away from the vision of life you want to live. And so it is essential that we start with that vision, that overarching dream goal of how you want to live your life. And I think that is the really big missing piece when it comes to financial planning and setting goals. And I always go, and I love the fact that you stress that because that's something that I talk about in the first book. And it's something I talk about in the second book, because we need to keep emphasizing that we need this vision uh, a direction in order for us to uh, to get from where we are to where we want to go. And with that said, money weaves itself into everything. And so there's a process and you only live once where I talk about the act, which is awareness, creating a plan and taking control. So the key thing is being aware of your thoughts your feelings, being aware of the things that you want to accomplish in life. And and it seems like, okay, that should be very easy. But most of the time when it comes to setting goals, we don't ever think about what would we think or what would we feel once we've achieved these goals. We kind of just arbitrarily set them. And again, whether it's personal, professional goals and things like that, financial goals. And so I think it's really essential for us to do the work and truly be aware of our thoughts and feelings, be aware of our mindset when it comes to money. Because as I mentioned, and in the second book, Happy Money, Happy Life, money weaves itself into everything. And whether you disagree that money is important or it's not, uh, we can't argue that money is in everything. It touches everything. It's it's the world in which we live in. And that's a society that's been built. And once you learn and understand yourself and understand how money can be utilized in a specific way to help you buy happiness, to help you improve your wellness in order to be uh, to be and do everything you want, that's when you're able to 
take control. And, and so it, it's, it's one of those things that, that I love people to understand. And, and so w- one of the most important uh, lessons that I learned in this process of understanding who I am and what I wanted was, was that first piece, the awareness aspect of it. Where do I want to head to? And then creating the plan, which is that, that B word, the budget word or, or the spending plan and being very detailed in terms of the things that I need in order to achieve that vision. And then the, the act of, uh, the taking control aspect of it, that third component, because it requires mindful action on the present moment. And so a lot of us, what we do is we think about the past or we think about the future and we don't take advantage of the present moment in order to create a different past and also to forge the future we actually want. And so that's why with both books, I really focus on stressing the idea and the belief and the need for us to be present in the moment, because that's where things happen. That's where we can take control. And that's how we are able to create the future in which we want to live. You know, I I look back on, on my journey and when I talk about my relationship with money, I don't know if I would be where I am today, which is where I want to be, without that hustle, without having to focus on money. If I go back 20, 20 years, a lot of my success, yes, it's come from my, my marketing firm, but it's also come from accidentally getting into real estate. I, I feel like all of my success is, is accidental. And I don't know if, if it is all accidental, but it, it seems that way. When I was renting an office uh, years ago, the landlord kept coming down with people to take pictures and it's just for insurance. And I thought it was a little bit sketchy. Come to find out he was getting ready to go through a divorce. He was trying to fire sale everything. I was able to buy the building we were in for about a third of what he paid for it. And we eventually outgrew it. And I'd hired a realtor to sell it and figure out what our options were. And I ended up selling it for a, a beautiful profit. And my accountant said, you better put that into some other real estate. Otherwise, your, your tax bill is going to be pretty hefty. So here I am accidentally getting into real estate investing. And, and it just kind of propelled. I, I loved Monopoly as a child. And here I am as an adult actually playing Monopoly with real money and real properties. But if I had not had that hustle, I wouldn't be where I am today. But I feel like it also comes in seasons. I was I was hell-bent on, on acquiring more properties, which required more debt and, and working with the bank to make that happen. But as I entered into the, the COVID era and I saw so many real estate investors lose what they had because they were so leveraged and they had people that couldn't make rent payments, therefore they couldn't make mortgage payments. That really changed my mind about what is my strategy with real estate? What, what am I comfortable with? What is my relationship with money when it comes to this? And, and now I'm in the, the spot of trying to pay off some of those loans. And, and I've bought several buildings just with cash. And the freedom that I have in my mind of that is I don't have to worry about someone coming after me. I've got more freedom to, to work with my tenants. I've got less worry and anxiety over trying to make that payment. So I feel like it all comes with seasons. I wouldn't be where I am today or as, as successful without doing that thing that today I, I hate or I don't want to do. Have, have you found that with others that you work with? You're absolutely right. It is about seasonality. And so there is going to be a period of your life where you are going to hustle more than you're currently doing. 
And I think that's important. And one of the key things when, because I was just like you, I've been in the grind. And the important thing to understand is that gears that grind for too long get worn out and then thrown out. And so you can grind, but you to get to where you want to go and you need that period of rest where you're going to try to figure out, okay, what is the next step? And that is okay. And that is really a shift on mentality. That is a shift on mindset to know and accept that there is seasonality. So you can, you can work. And when we talk about seasonality, I'm not saying that it's aligned with the seasons. It's aligned with, with where you are in life. And if you're starting out, you might be grinding just a bit more than when you're in your 30s. And part of that has to do with money. And when you're starting out, you may not have the financial resources. And so you need to do a bit more. You need to, to work more hours. You need to climb up the ladder in order to get the promotion with the higher salary, in order to have the financial means to do other things. And that's going to require a bit more commitment. That's going to require focus. That's going to require the grind. And that is okay. And that's part of that thing, like being okay with that, but understanding that there is that end game. And when I talk about that end game, that's that vision, the vision that morphs and change as you achieve financial, uh, financial goals and life goals. And as you mentioned, so you went, you became an accidental entrepreneur. You had these real estate. And the key thing when I'm hearing your story is the fact that you were always preparing yourself. Everything that you were working on is a preparation for an opportunity. And I think there's that saying, right? Luck is basically preparation uh, meets opportunity. And you're always preparing. And I want people to understand that as well. When you are working, when you are in your the position that you're in now, it is essential and vital for your happiness and your wellness to continuously learn, to go out there and learn as much as you can, because there is going to be an opportunity for you uh, that's going to present itself. And when you're prepared, everyone around you is going to be like, wow, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that that you were able to buy a building for a third of the price. Well, chances are, if you weren't prepared, if you didn't have the means, then you wouldn't have been able to jump into that that real estate piece. And again, going back to others, it's the same thing. And and I've And I've realized that. So I have people that want to become paid speakers. I am so fortunate and grateful that I get paid to speak, to go up in on stages and in some occasions make more than someone would make at an entry level job for an entire year. And it took a really long time. It took a decade, a little bit more than a decade to get there. And, and it's important that it didn't happen by chance per se. And it was really accidental for me to become a speaker because I was looking at promoting the uh, my business. And eventually that led to companies asking me to go and talk and share about my story and impart knowledge when it comes to finances in my unique way. And and so I think it's it's so essential for us when it comes to anything that we're looking at doing is that accepting the seasonality of our effort and also constantly preparing ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're doing. That can be in the mode of learning. You're learning about real estate. Doesn't necessarily mean you're out there purchasing buildings, but you're preparing yourself for that opportunity. And, and that goes the same way too. When 
I look at it now, it's like, how did I become a speaker? And I get to do this for a living and travel all around the world. Well, I've been doing this even when I started at the branches and giving financial workshops to the members that would walk in. That was kind of my segue into into speaking. And so everything is preparing us. And when we become more aware, we can actually seize the opportunity. And and yeah, we can look back and say, oh, wow, yeah, I was an accidental speaker, accidental entrepreneur. And when you take a moment, we realize that we've always been on this path because we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. And I think that's essential. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you become aware of these things, you'll come to realize that the opportunities come so much sooner and the opportunities that actually align with your core values. I think that's what's key. There's one thing I want to point out for, for folks listening. I, I think they can listen to my story. They can listen to your story. I think back to, it was probably 15, 20 years ago when the four-hour work week came out. You can, you can read that book and, and read Tim Ferriss's stories. And you can say, I want to be like that. The problem is everyone is very unique. Jason, you and I have kind of followed the same path in terms of our, our relationship with money. But the way we got there is very different. You went through so much upheaval and, and completely changed your life. Here I am. I've, I've changed things, but I still own my agency. I'm, I'm still investing in real estate. And I think it's more of a vision. This looks very different for every person. So to look at my story or your story for, for the accidental leaders that are listening, their story is going to look so very different. And I think it comes back to what is that passion? What do I want to accomplish, not necessarily just following this this set path. I have to do A, B, and C because I want to be like Jason. Yeah. That key word, passion and purpose, right? I think it, it triggers a lot of people. It, it gets people anxious. And I, I really want to distill this because I think it's a process that I've learned has worked and that can be applied to anyone in any situation at any point in time. So if you're trying to figure out what am I passionate about, I want people to understand passion is truly a combination of your time and your resources. How are you devoting your time and your resources into an interest? And so if you are passionate about real estate, chances are you're devoting a lot of time learning about it. You're devoting a lot of time understanding it, working it, in addition to devoting your resources. And your resources may be your physical effort. Your resources might be your financial effort or your financial means. And so that is that is what passion is. And it makes it so much easier to understand and conceptualize what passion is when it is time and resources devoted. And so when passion wanes, we probably realize that we stop we stop devoting as much time or we stop devoting the resources. And so you might be passionate about right now about real estate and about owning these properties. And eventually you want to shift your financial resources into something else. And then you realize, well, you know, I'm not as passionate as I am when it comes to real estate. And that makes a lot of sense. And that has a lot to do with the fact that you've decided that one of those things in that equation is no longer, you know, uh, you want to shift it into something else. And when it comes to purpose and and what I'd like to share with people, purpose is simply serving something greater than yourself. Passion is serving something internal, something internal that that lights you up. And the moment you realize that that uh, your passion can serve others 
well, that becomes your purpose. And so for me, when it came to financial wellness and understanding that I wanted to uh, help myself get myself from debt to financial freedom and having achieved that, I wanted to go ahead and share my story and help others achieve financial freedom. So it gave me a sense of purpose and direction. And, and so there is a process, there is a way for us to, to turn our interest into a passion, into a purpose. I want to go back to that word freedom as a leader owning a company. And, and if you're leading a team, the most beautiful thing that you can come down to is I want to do this. I don't have to do this. And that's where I am with, with uh, my marketing firms, with my real estate. Now I'm at the point that I could shut it down tomorrow and I could still live. I would not be living in a cardboard box. I, I, I would be just fine. Now I get to choose to do it with, with the choices I've made. And, and you make much better choices when you want to do something than when you have to do something. <laughs> that is so true. And, and that is what true freedom is. Fr- true freedom is the ability to have choices. And finances is what enables many of us. Becoming financially independent has allowed me to pick and choose the work that I do and the people I work with. And it allows me to kind of pick projects that align with my values. And it really does make a huge difference. And one of the key things that I like to share with people is the importance of aligning our finances to achieving financial independence. Because once we do, we buy back our time and we buy back our time. We're then able to devote that into things and our interests. And so again, it goes back to it all were like wraps itself into into this nice package of of wellness and and so uh that is probably one of the key things when i talk about financial wellness i like people to understand where they want their finances where and how they would live their life once they achieve financial independence because one of the key things too is that there is a movement of people who want to achieve a financial milestone of being able to quit their job and and retire early and at the end of the day we need work some type of productivity to feel good about ourselves we need to be able to engage with others and most of the time we get the productivity the engagement through workplace and so then it then it creates an issue and people don't feel as free when when they achieve such a momentous milestone as financial independence and so that's why like it's so important to to look at everything always holistically and when we're talking about that word financial freedom, uh, we really need to go deeper in terms of what that means for someone and what choices it gives them. And also what will they be doing with all that time? Because just like you, we don't have to work. We choose to work. And the work that we do has to have meaning and purpose And because we don't have to do it. And, and that does, again, go back to purpose and passion and that shift in mindset. And, and Jason, I can't speak for you, but when I, when I say I choose to work, it's not that I'm independently wealthy. I was not born into wealth. I was born pretty darn poor and I, I had to work hard for this. So I'm not coming from this from a place of, of privilege, but I want to wrap up with a, a quote from Lynn Twist. She says, rarely in our life is money a place of genuine freedom, joy, or clarity, yet we routinely allow it to dictate the terms of our lives and often to be the single most important factor 
in the decisions we make about work, love, family, and friendship. And Jason, you've got a similar quote in, in your new book. Money isn't a goal. It's a resource you need to live the life you see for yourself. And you only live once shows you how to efficiently use your wealth to create and sustain the lifestyle you want. Take us out, wrap us up on this podcast with, with your final thoughts on what in the world have we been talking about for the last 35 minutes? <laughs> well, I want people to understand that money can buy happiness when we spend it on wellness. And wellness is about the different aspects of ourselves and that we cannot just solely focus on professional success to the detriment of our mental health our emotional well-being, our physical. So it's important for us to understand there are different facets and different dimensions of what makes us who we are. And it's important and essential as an accidental entrepreneur, as an accidental leader, that you understand these different parts of yourself in order for you to live a holistic, healthy, happier, and wealthier life. And I think that is ultimately the message that that we can't just focus on one aspect of ourselves and believe that's going to solve everything. And we need to look at ourselves in terms of, of those dimensions, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, occupational, environmental, social, and financial aspects of our well-being. One of the things I always ask my clients, uh, I ask my teammates is to ask a freaking question. I would encourage you listening to, to ask the question, why do I believe about money? What I believe about it? Why do I have these thoughts about money? Why, why do I have this relationship with money? And from my own root system, coming from a, a very humble and frankly poor background, really screwed with my head about how I viewed money. I, I can recall about 20 years ago, starting out, I was ecstatic to have $5,000 in a bank account. It was a ton of money for me back then. I'd never seen that much money. I, I kind of felt like Murphy could never visit me. My life was taken care of. I've got five grand in the bank. Throw anything at me. I've got this. And, and as that number grew and zeros have been added to that, I continue to feel like it, it wasn't enough. What if this happens? What if that happens? I, I had to keep chasing another zero to add to the end of that number. Something bad would happen. And my lack of money growing up just made me hoard money once I started making it. And maybe you're listening right now, you feel similar. Perhaps you're dealing with other financial stresses. Making money to pay your debts, making money just to put food on the table, it doesn't have to be that way, as you've heard from myself and from Jason. And as an accidental leader, you've got to have a clear head and be able to make good decisions for your organization and for your team, not out of necessity, but out of want. And a good way to do that is to figure out the right decisions for you that are going to allow you to control your time. Jason, I just want to thank you for joining us on this Accidental Leader podcast. It's been a great conversation. It, it's a very deep conversation. It's a very personal conversation. What Jason's talked about, what I've talked about, you may not resonate with, but I know you've got your own story about money. So Jason, as we wrap up, give us your information. Where can people find you and how can they order your new book? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can find me in all social media, but primarily on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Vitug. And you can uh, get the book, the newest book, Happy Money, Happy Life, A Multidimensional Approach to Health, Wealth, and Financial Freedom. Everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Coming up on episode six of The Accidental Leader, I'm bringing it home and introducing you to one of my accidental leaders, Jennifer Pham. 
And Jennifer is the VP of Ideas and Results at, at one of my companies, your marketing company. And she never intended on becoming a leader. She truly is an accidental leader. She started as a junior graphic designer over five years ago, quickly earned a leadership position based on her hard work and her own personal life transformations. She's not an author. She's not a nationally acclaimed speaker. She is my VP. And her story, I think, will encourage you. If, if you're at the beginning of your leadership journey, you're going to resonate with, with how she got where she is and, and learn quite a bit. If you're at the end of your leadership journey and maybe you're training the next accidental leader, her story is going to give you a lot of insight about how you can do that. She truly is an accidental leader with an amazing story. We're going to hear from Jennifer on the next episode of The Accidental Leader. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon.